Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself wrap up our discussion on Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession, What the Church Is. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by my friends... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Yeah, we're... One more episode on the church. Yes. Yeah. It was funny. We just about ready to start, and uh, I'm like, what are you guys waiting for? And of course, I'm the one with the record comfortably. (laughs) The producer. Me. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, it shows this thing. We could literally, on one end of things, have an entire podcast about the nature of the church. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't exhaust the way scripture talks about it in our talking points. At the same time, if you focus on the central core and the message of what the church is and and what the church does, you kind of get to the point where this has played out the string. Now we, you know, you want to be in the church rather than just talk about the church. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the beautiful thing about biblical theology. Mm -hmm. It is rich and it is deep and it is complex and it is broad. Odd, the same time it is simple and direct and concise. Yeah, and it, it, awesome. it seems like an oxymoron, but that's the way God's word functions. Yeah, and even though it may be simple, sometimes it's not always easy. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's the king. That's the key. Simple, mm-hmm. but not easy. And that, you know, the truth of God's word should be presented in a way that what we need to know is easily grasped, uh, ready to be understood, able to be confessed, but. Because it's God's truth communicated to us, it should be a mind that can never be exhausted. And mm-hmm. it is and totally dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, man. Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah, and so we're in Ephesians 4. As the final we, word on yeah, the church the in final all of word. Scripture. Yeah, we're, yeah. F- we're finally <laughs> wrapping up Article 8 yeah. <laughs> of the Augsburg Confession. Yep, it's been a good run. I'm kind of embarrassed that we talked about the church and didn't even get to Revelation. Hmm. It's like the picture of the church. Well, you know, the we seven can, letters. We'll we just, can pull an audible. What do you guys here? say? Eight well, more episodes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go. Well, when we get to eschatology, I think that's going to be Boy, the, that the article, end times. I'm looking forward to that. I know. I am too. I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think this would be the last time we have an eighter. Eight parter. No. Well, we we looked. Uh, well, hey, baptism is next. Yeah, yeah, right, nine yes, is baptism, yeah. and that's going to be more than four episodes. But yeah. I'll just to whet your appetite. Yes. I will end with a text from Revelation Ooh, for this episode. There we go. Way to be. Nice. Yeah. Pound it, noggin. Oh, that's a dude perfect thing. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now that we have no idea what Brett is talking really? about, you can You've read. Never heard of dude Are you perfect? speaking in tongues? I need an interpretation. <laughs> oh, I've gotta, heard of dude perfect. You gotta look him up on YouTube. They, All I know about yeah. dude perfect oh. is that they'll hit golf balls off of aircraft carriers and catch yep. them in a net. In that's a, that's the type of stuff they do. Yeah, yeah well, I think my kids have seen every single one of their videos. Really, but. Anyway. And it's all just trick shots. Yeah, yep. They have fun. Yep. So, all right. Ephesians 4, 4 through 16. I yeah, read in Jesus' name. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he held... He led a a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine." by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, in speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Mm. Here ends the reading. Amen. I love that chapter. Yeah. Fascinating fact Mm -hmm. about the book of Ephesians. The whole book is five sentences. <laughs> kind of My is. goodness, Paul just goes on yep. and on. And I was like, the, the break run-ons. up your thought, please. Yes. <laughs> but I know what everybody's thinking. I know what everybody wants to ask. Is it a cardinal or an ordinal number when it talks about one all throughout verse four? Actually, that's it's not both. what I was thinking at all. It's uh. both. <laughs> is, is, is it order or is it quantity? And it's both. It's, both. it's the first and the last mm-hmm. and the only. You want to know what I was thinking? Brett said the phrase all in all. And I was thinking, you are my strength when <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So that was completely unhelpful, but that's where my random Well, And I was being goes. facetious because I'm sure that nobody was thinking that. But yeah. I think it's important, though, to right. think about that. It is the first and the only. Yeah. Yep. And, and every time it's, it's used there, that word one, it is the first and the only. Yeah, right. And, and that draws to mind the things we've been saying about unity uh, over... Yep. Over the last few episodes as well. Unity uh, that flows from truth right. rather than is the truth yep. in and of itself. Yep, and yep. It's a, a major and foundational error in the American church is the misordering of unity uh, for the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's oftentimes our uni- unifying factor in the church is niceness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that we ought not to be nice and that the church, you know, absolutely should be a, a welcoming place, but unity that flows from truth is stronger and more beneficial than an artificial Amen. construct. Mm-hmm. And, and he establishes that in chapter one and the, the prayer in chapter three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just two sentences ago. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was. And, you know, and yeah. so there is, it is rooted in correct doctrine, if we can say that, uh, the correct apostolic teaching of the church. It's mm-hmm. rooted. All of this is rooted and flows from that in a living faith. Uh, from Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. The flow of Ephesians is just fascinating. It is. I it love is, this book. It's, it's a yes. really well-structured book. Yep. And uh, the, the various statements in the structure, I love the, the confession of the forgiveness of sins in Ephesians 1, 9, mm-hmm. is it? And then, I mean, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 mm. might be one of the most important 10-verse sections in all of Scripture, yep. that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and by grace you were saved. And right in the middle, you've got that great and glorious, but God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Amen. And, you know, Ephesians 3 and 4, we're building the case for the church. And then, you know, everyone just kind of forgets you got Ephesians 5 with to talk about the marriage and, and family vocation. In Ephesians 6, you've got the armor of God. I, I cannot imagine jamming more content into such a show. What does it take, like 12 minutes to read the entire book I of know, Ephesians? I know, and it's, it's like the one of the, I guess, the closest thing that we have to as a mm-hmm. manual for the church, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of other things in various other epistles and everything like that. But even within chapter 2, 
verse 10, you got vocation. Yeah. You know, it's like so early on, and it's got this wonderful Trinitarian construction as God carried, you know, the Apostle Paul along by the Holy Spirit to, to pen this. There's the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Holy Spirit in that first chapter, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I I wonder how many people, you know, just to sit down and talk with Christians of other traditions, to to see on the surface that telling them you were created for good works mm-hmm. is a comforting statement mm-hmm. and not a, a burden and an exhausting statement. No. And a, mm-hmm. a properly ordered theology yeah. has our good works flowing yep. from, you know, we are saved by grace. From the place faith. of assurance. From yes. the place yeah. of assurance. Amen. And that is exactly the order mm-hmm. here in Ephesians 4. Yep. You, the, the, the foundational doctrine is laid down in the first three verses. Mm-hmm. And then that is to equip the saints through the workers in the church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got those mysterious verses 9 and 10 in, 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 you know, or 8, 9, and 10 have been argued about and debated. They fit right in because you have the doctrine, you have Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, and then you have the equipping of the church yep. through the workers in the church. Yep. All it is is nine is the incarnation of Christ. Yep. And the work of Christ is completed through his life, death, and resurrection, and he gave gifts to men. It's really that simple. Yep. We make it complicated, but it's not. Yeah, the, yep. if, if you would look online about the number of academic papers and the, the, the trees <laughs> that have been sacrificed yeah. and the ink that has been spilled on those three verses, it's right. remarkable. My carbon footprint is small then. <laughs> Way to be. Yeah. Your conscience is clear. There you go. Yeah, it's just incarnation through his life, death, and resurrection. God, Jesus Christ gave gift to men, and the first and foremost gift is justification. Yep, yep. And, and then building off of that, too, I think um, also verse 7, thinking about how, you know, as much as we talk about us as a, a group of people in the church, there's also the sense that, we're each individually shepherd or shepherded by the great shepherd and oh. uh, that God is giving us grace to each one of us. I guess I, I'm zeroing in on that phrase in that verse. Mm. It's a wonderful transla- transition from objective justification right. to subjective justification. Mm-hmm. And I know that'll cause a few wrinkled noses out there, but we, we cannot deny that well, salvation is universal and offered to all, and that is the great and comforting news of the gospel, it is realized and received individually by mm-hmm. faith. Yep. And so it's not an either or, and it's not a matter of primacy. It's yep. both. And yep. God works on us corporately uh, by his spirit in the church, and he works on us individually by his spirit as well. Yep. And all that means is Christ died for all, yet not all. Uh, will be saved. Well, and it mm-hmm. just really comes down to that simple reality. And it's it's not that God doesn't want that. It's mm-hmm. God's desire for all men to be saved, as Paul writes in Timothy. But the reality is many people will reject the salvation that Christ has provided. Mm-hmm. And on the positive flip side of that coin, it means Christ died for all mm-hmm. and Christ died for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. that's the singular you that we're, we're focused on, that it you can say it directly to a person, which is why, again, the value of the Christian life is both in the corporate confession and absolution mm-hmm. of the divine service yep. and then in the private confession and absolution that's available either through your pastor or through other uh, believers in Christ to comfort your conscience when we're especially plagued by sins. Mm-hmm. I always think of like how you do liturgy for um, the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You say, for you. Yeah. You <laughs> emphasize that 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 statement yep. right there. This is for you, yep. for the forgiveness of sins. You know, and I grew up in a climate 
uh, I don't think it was an intentional thing on my pastor. In fact, I know it was an intentional mm-hmm. thing on my pastor's part, but the unworthiness was emphasized in, in, in communion could in its worst way. It's like a self-flagellation. You, well, no, it'd be a terrifying experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to go up by the command of Christ. Because what if I'm not worthy? What if I'm not worthy? What, and, and, you know, it's one of the areas that helped me the most the first time I read through the large catechism is, well, you know, you come to communion precisely because you're not worthy. Yeah. You know, and it's a it's a comforting thing, and it, it's been my mission as a pastor to emphasize that for you, mm-hmm. so that it creates a desire yep. to receive that. And, and communion should be a, a solemn and a humbling thing, but it should be something that is a celebration at the same time. Amen and it's to that. just all built mm-hmm. to something we look forward to and long and desire. And especially this has been realized with all of the the, the circus theatrics that we've had to deal with with the pandemic in, in trying to encourage the church to be together when it might not be uh, best to be together in full quantity, or you've got you know governmental mandates that are either fair or unfair. You've got all of this. We we talked about a few episodes ago the incarnational nature of the ministry of the church is wrapped up in what is being taught here in Ephesians four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you got the gifts that are listed. This is by no means exhaustive. Yeah, uh, but apostles, prophets, evangelists, and mm. shepherds and teachers. Um, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but I would love to hear. Uh, from both of you on your whole idea of how do apostles then fit into today's <laughs> church? Because, yeah. and because there's people who misuse that term sure. quite a bit. And I think it would be very beneficial for the church as we talk about what the church is, as to then what is the gift of an apostle in today's church. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Brett answers with a good <laughs> answer, I would like to interject apostle is a unique term reserved to people from the American South. Yeah, and, that, and it's you remember a, that movie, The Apostle? Yeah, it's I do. Robert uh, the, Duvall. Yeah. Uh, the smaller the Baptist church, <laughs> the higher the title of the pastor. Yeah, right. Who leads that church? Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to be offensive at <laughs> yeah. all to anybody, <laughs> right? I mean, if you've lived in the South, you know exactly why you talk to you. You can't pass a church on a corner that yeah. isn't led by Bishop so and so or Apostle so and so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, I get that uncharitableness out of my system, and there now Brett go. can answer. Yeah. No, I, I think. <laughs> Uh, thinking of apostles and prophets, especially, I, I see that in the Word of God and in mm-hmm. reading and and taking in the words of the apostles and the the words of the prophets, uh, and you know, especially seeing more of the evangelists, shepherds, teachers, you know, being happening today uh, more so. Um, you know, those that had the unique role of apostle as being that has been uh, done or ceased in the sense of you know they were with Christ and, yeah. and they they had, they wrote in the scriptures so what i think i hear mm-hmm. you saying is that an apostle nowadays would be someone who is really um in a very caring loving but yet um firm way of carrying on the teaching mm-hmm. of the apostles that apostolic yep. tradition that was handed down to us and a prophet would be the um the the correct application of God's holy word for mm-hmm. the correct situation. I think even more in a concrete way, mm-hmm. in, in what I am taking from Brett's position, in what I would say is that this is saying the exact same thing it said either in Ephesians two or three that mm-hmm. the very foundation of the church is actually built on the actual prophets, yes. and the actual yeah. apostles. Right. Yes. Yep. So yep. this starts as 
a mm-hmm. a throwback to the actual word of God, mm-hmm. and what yep. it is setting us up for is yep. the ministry of the word of God. Right, and so you know, you have the apostles and the prophets, and the evangelists do the work of the apostles mm-hmm. and the prophets, and the shepherds do the work of the apostles and the prophets, mm-hmm. and the teachers do the work of the apostles and prophets. So on in the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. you have the the entire church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. If you look forward, both in Paul's ministry and in scripture, mm-hmm. the other side of that is you've got 2 Timothy mm-hmm. 3, 16 and 17, yep. that all scripture is God-breathed, so that's apostles and prophets, yep. is God-breathed and profitable yes. for teaching, rebuke, and correction, yep. Yep. that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped. Yeah. Yep. And so you've got this all-encompassing but almost organic picture of the ministry of the Word of God mm-hmm. as he applies it in the church. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know that I myself would go to that apostle and prophet is any sort of individual office or alluding to an office, but that they are laying mm-hmm. the foundation for the evangelist shepherds and right. teachers. I, yeah. I'm proud of you for using the word organic, by the way. You're welcome. Yeah. And I, 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 think, I was at yeah. I was at Whole Foods last <laughs> week and so it was on my mind. But no. I think in a, in a sense that both of you are saying very yeah. similar things just in a little bit different ways because you know if Yes, you're a shepherd and teacher, and you're you're really trying to hold to that apostolic teaching and apostolic succession. Um, yes, you're doing that, but there are people that are really given to that. Maybe seminary professors. Oh, I sure. I think of in our seminary, you know, Pastor Haugen. Oh my word, you know, and I know he goes to your church, Jason. <laughs> but man, um, what what a person that just was rooted yeah. in that apostolic tradition that yeah. really sowed into each one right. of us. And so I kind of see. I'm not, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's an apostle, but I'm saying he's definitely continuing and perpetuating that reality. It's probably similar to the way we talk about the Apostles' Creed. You yeah. know, it's the, this is the teaching, this of, is the the teaching of the apostles. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and I think, I think there's room, if we're careful, and if we're highly conservative on this teaching, that we can do the work of an apostle mm-hmm. without being an apostle. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the distinction needs to be made. So apostle in the Greek language means a sent out sent one, one, one yeah. who has been sent or commissioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly that aspect is applied to all believers in the Great Commission. You mm-hmm. know, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing yep. them and teaching them. And, and so there's a sense uh, in, in really Second Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors for Christ Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we are the ones bringing the message of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. The prophets we've talked about before, and one of my most firm convictions, I call it my own personal heresy, mm-hmm. is that we have to realize <laughs> the prophets aren't involved in pre- predicting the yeah. future or in generating mm-hmm. a word of God. No. Yep. The prophets are involved in delivering the word of God yep. as it is communicated. Yes. And so every evangelist, every shepherd, and every teacher acts like a prophet insofar mm-hmm. as they are delivering the word of God to the people yep. of God. Yep, proclaiming. Yeah. Yep. It's a proclamational right. ministry. Right. And, right. and evangelists have a certain aspect and yep. perspective, and shepherds being the pastors have a certain mm-hmm. shep- uh, aspect to that perspective, yep. and the teachers do. And really, in the office of pastor, all three are involved. Shepherd, and, teacher, she- those, and evangelist. Those tied right? together, I mean. And, and when, mm-hmm. when Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, as a pastor, he's telling him to preach the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Right. And then we, in verse 12, it turns the corner as to what the whole purpose of the 
those is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, yeah. for building up the body of Christ, and then this wonderful journey that we're on. And that's how I, I love how this chapter starts, that we are walking. And it kind of paints this picture that we're on a journey together towards spiritual unity and maturity. And that's really what he begins mm-hmm. to flesh out here. And and I think it would be clear that equipping, again, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that if we're not careful, we get it into a business sense and like we're training people for a job. Yeah. But equipping the saints looks like assurance of salvation and vocation. Yeah, sure. Equipping the saints oh, means... Did, did, did you just say vocation? Vocation. We're four for four on this run. No, we I missed like one on the second. Do we? I thought, I'm pretty sure I got it. Oh, maybe you I'm did. I'm going to take credit for it even if I didn't. <laughs> All right. But equipping isn't necessarily, although in certain aspects it can be specific training, Mm -hmm. right? You know, but equipping for Christian vocation means a constant proclamation and application of the gospel that results in assurance of salvation and that allows us to live in Christian freedom in our vocations for our neighbors. And of course, then it's like, what is, what's it, it's guarding us against that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That verse has always been real to me because we were on Lake, Lake of the woods up north, you know, oh, it's a huge, terrifying. and we got caught in the middle of a storm and we only had like a little 16 foot aluminum craft. We almost sunk. Hmm. And I mean, it was tossing us around like a rag doll. So that is a real picture to me, <laughs> you know, because it's, it, and it's, it, I hope that we can grasp the seriousness of what Paul is trying to say here yeah. is that this is a life or death thing. Right? Well, and it's we have to clarify here. It's not a criticism of doctrine as doctrine. Yeah, no. It's a criticism of changing from one doctrinal fad yes. to another. That's yeah, the absolutely. wind of doctrine. So that one day you're obsessed with this random thing. It's the blood moons, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, just just pick stuff like that. These yeah. fads in the church, the prayer of Jabez over here. Well, and it's and, got three synonyms here. Basically, they're kind of like three ways of saying the same thing. Human and cunning, craftiness, and deceit and deceitful schemes is all part of the type of doctrine or mm-hmm. crazed things that he's talking about here. Yeah, and it's the stuff that all of this stuff, the winds of doctrine, the changing winds of doctrine defined by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, mm-hmm. it's all something that will rob you of the gospel. Yeah, right. It, it oh, ends man. up in asceticism yeah. or it ends up in works righteousness or it ends up in Christian performance or something like that. But then the, the, the switch, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into mm-hmm. Christ. And and just at the start, like it was in verse four and five, growing up into Christ is baptism language. Mm-hmm. It's that we've been clothed in Christ. That's Galatians 3.27. So our baptism language, then what that qualifies the daily life of a Christian is repentance mm-hmm. and rising again into faith. That's what baptism is. And, and we as Lutherans absolutely need to be better about talking about the daily activity of baptism instead of just referring it to an event in yep. the past. Yep. And so here it is. If we're, un- six, if we're unified yeah. under the one God, we're unified in doctrine, we're unified in one baptism, we're unified as a church, then it says that, that exactly how it functions, that we, as as it's functioning properly, it makes the body grow mm-hmm. so that it builds yeah. itself up in love. And of course, that love is the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Unity that flows from an objective truth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. An objective truth that comes to us in scripture. Yes. That, mm. and, and to clarify, 
that is scripture. Yeah. Not that scripture contains the truth, but scripture yeah. itself is the truth. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Gosh, there's a lot more we could talk oh about, but we scratched <laughs> the surface and hopefully you're blessed by that. But do some more digging. Yeah. It's a, it's such a powerful chapter. It really is. But I thought we could close by reading kind of where Paul began the whole talk about the church in chapter two earlier. We're going to be reading verses 17 through 22. And he, Jesus, came to preach peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our journey through the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.